respects her dedication. I just, oh, he's just he's a four-leaf clover. He's he's what the kids call unique. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I don't know why that was like that. And welcome back to another episode of Starring Cupid, the podcast that puts that L-O-V-E back into movies. Per. I am your cheerful host from Adarex, nothing more, nothing less, from the East, not the West. Our team is the best. Howdy, lovers. How's it going? How you doing? You know, when I... <laughs> started this whole opening line thing where i just you know introduce myself real quick <laughs> oh yeah introduce yourself that's what i do every time i do it every episode if you're wondering and yeah it's hard work it's it's lots of fun though for me it was always like doing a call back to my days on timeline fm because that was a lot of fun guys cosplaying as a radio dj with absolutely no stakes or like responsibility so fun so much fun i recommend it so i wanted to keep an element from those days in and bring it into the podcast and thus zomadatex nothing more nothing less was born and it was also heavily inspired by like famous youtubers that um have these kinds of introduce yourself lines like sushi with wasabi who have Personally, I think one of the great, the greatest openers on South YouTube, even to this day, I don't think anyone's really topped them. So I just, you know, all those things, in my mind, these are the things motivating me to do this. Now that I'm saying it on this particular episode, I'm realizing that I kind of sound like a cheerleader. Change my pace, up my enthusiasm, add a bit more rhyming and i i'm basically i've unintentionally made a chant about myself i'm cheering for myself and that was a cute little discovery that i made when i was doing this episode i was like oh like all these you can have all these intentions behind an idea and still it drains true in a different sense in a different in a different subject which is a lovely segue into today's subjects lovers <laughs> lovers today i wanted to talk about one of the staple pieces of cinema from the turn of the century a movie that moved people a movie that changed lives formed personalities bonded friendships and at the core of this iconic piece of cinema we have a couple that moved a nation cheer lovers everywhere today we are talking about the cheertastic duo that is Torrance Shipman and Cliff Panton from the very first bring it on movie now <laughs> drama i know 
and i may sound like i'm trolling but i want everyone to understand and genuinely know that i absolutely love cheerleader movies love them so much i love them i think they're amazing story time real quick backstory one time when i was in grade 10 i was in boarding school in high school and i was in grade 10 and there was a particularly long weekend where i think we had the friday and the monday off and the tuesday even it was a very long long weekend and nearly everyone in the boarding establishment went home or like just they just left like people didn't want to spend that valuable time inside not me though <laughs> i stayed because i was like i don't want to go home boo and then there were about six other girls in my grade that stayed and then five girls across the other grades so in total there was about 11 12 of us in the entire establishment it was fantastic i think we only used two tables in the dining hall like that's how few of us they were and we didn't even fill up those two tables and as the grade tens like we have a floor to ourselves as our dorm and because there was only the six of us we just had that whole floor to ourselves <sighs> guys i think about boarding life fondly a lot and i think this is one of my fondest moments this was absolute heaven of a weekend but now you have a bunch of six around 16 year old girls all together what are they gonna do what are they gonna get up to for an entire long weekend lovers we had a bring it on marathon we watched every single movie in the bring it on franchise we, we took it a step further. On the last day, we watched Fired Up just to keep the vibe going. That was the most fun weekend of my life. <laughs> and the boarding establishment, of course. Like, it was just chilled, easy vibes, awesome, fun, hilarious movies. And then I remember there was only one matric um, girl that was in the establishment and she realized that this is what we were doing because we'd the another thing is we'd watch the movies and then we'd go to the dining hall and because there's like 11 people we talk about this and she realized what we were doing and she's like oh she offered to let us um watch the last two movies on our list in the matric lounge which if you're not a person that's ever been in boarding oh, i don't even know if this is how it works in other boarding establishments but this was huge to us when we were in grade 10 this was huge we we're like oh my god we get to watch it in the lounge like no one no other grade had their own specific lounge to watch tv from so this was so i'm straying so far from my point i'm sorry i should never do story times because i can't i can't stay focused my point is bring it on is amazing it is one of my favorite cinematic universes I, I love it. I feel like the whole franchise gets a lot of disrespect on the internet now. And that personally hurts me as a huge fan. I mean, yes, some of the older movies that came out after this, they definitely deserve that disrespect. And I'm not going to defend them. But I still think of them as great. I think all of these movies are great for what they try to achieve and the story that they're trying to tell hollywood tends to have this thing where they don't take 
movies or TV shows seriously if the target audience is specifically teen girls or like very young girls. Teen boys, they get their shine, they get their respect, they get their budgets and all that. Things for teen girls, they they don't care and they also want to make sure that we know that they don't care. And I'm going to talk about that in heavy detail much later on. But I just want you to remember that when we're looking at this, like I wanted to shine a light on this wonderful movie because guys, Bring It On is, it's like the first Avengers movie. Like everything was new, the stakes were sky high, the drama was serious. And we had all these morally gray heroes at the center of what is a great sports film. And at the very heart of this amazing story is our girl Torrance. Ah, Torrance. A woman that simply wanted to be the best cheerleading captain her school ever had. Those were her whole motivations and everything fell apart right at her fingertips. She's beautifully paired up with the lovable and goofy new kid, Cliff. Clifford, my king. And just to make matters a little bit more delicious, this couple isn't even technically allowed to happen because Torrance has this whole boyfriend situation going on. It's so much. There's so much delicious drama in here to a 16-year-old Zama that absolutely had to talk about this couple. Also because I feel like no main couple in the BIOCU has surpassed these two in both stakes and chemistry. Like no one's been able to capture the magic that these two created. I honestly, I had no choice. I had to look at these two. And it would be a cheer crime not to. This also gives me an opportunity to just geek out about cheerleading in general, like both the sport and it being a subgenre of sports movies. And the beauty of my podcast is that I can give movies that would be considered too unserious for critical analysis by cinema bros and uppity cinephiles. I can give these movies all the attention and praise that they rightfully deserve. Also, this movie is somehow positively gay for something that was made at the very beginning of the 2000s. Beyond having many a gay awakening in this film, they had many a gay character in this film. I'm going way ahead of all the points that I will make later, but let's just start off with some important production details, you know, looking at all the people that worked hard on this and contributed to all the things that make it so lovely. So... Let's go. Clip back. Torrance. This movie was directed by Peyton Reed in 2000. He is the director behind hits like the Ant-Man trilogy, including Quantumania, Yes Man, an episode of The Mandalorian, and many others. Listen. I can't fault this man. I I love his work. I'm one of those few people that really, really love the Ant-Man movies. Like I I would watch them. Cause they're so they're so cute. They're delightful. I think the comedy 
of just the plain story itself the comedy that comes from scott lang and also the comedy that we get from the visual delights of switching between things being huge and then super super tiny i i just think that those movies have so much potential to really be where marvel stores their comedy and they do really well with that and they work to put in that that visual comedy like they they make they make me want to laugh if that makes sense instead of the thing where it's just joke 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 banter 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 i can see it and i feel it with ant-man so yeah i hope people can see that the man behind these blockbuster superhero films could also double up and make a cult classic teen movie and both of them work perfectly and they can stand alone as good projects we must also credit the wonderful jessica bendinger who did the screenplay i thought okay she did a great job love her work but she is a woman of acclaim like she has done great work across the cinematic world she is responsible for projects such as stick it aquamarine first daughter and many others like oh she actually directed stick it she didn't only write she directed it too which i felt was so awesome if you've ever watched stick it lovely gymnastic film very gay um <laughs> try it but I think it's awesome that she was involved in this because I wanted to draw, when I was thinking about discussing this movie and discussing this couple, I wanted to draw parallels between good gymnastic movies and cheerleading movies because they're essentially two sides of the same coin. But again, gymnastics movies are dealt with that harsh and very serious lighting of sports films but still at the same time because gymnastics is seen as this very feminine girly girl thing it doesn't get acclaim it doesn't get the attention that it deserves and then it falls under that category with cheerleading movies and i'm glad that she's making these projects i'm glad that she is giving them this weight giving them this attention giving them these beautiful stories i love her work and I love that she has this intentional voice speaking up for teenage girls even when it's away from the realistic standards with even when she's talking up talking for them under fantastical circumstances like you know meeting a mermaid i love her work thank you so much miss bendinger you will always be famous and funny to me i wanted to send out a huge massive shout out to the stunt slash choreography department on this film south africans don't have cheerleading readily available like that it's really quite a concept that you see on tv i feel like it's only now that i've seen universities really tap into the idea of having cheerleading squads one of my friends um is actually a cheerleader she was also present at the boarding establishment bring it on movie marathon so shout out nelly um i'm always proud of you i say it all the time and i'm i'm in absolute awe of you and it's because of the point i'm trying to make with the stunt team and the choreography 
cheerleading is so damn difficult i i can't believe the things that these people are able to do they are athletes like super athletes actually because you are combining gymnastics with synchronized group choreography and that's mind-blowing to me i can't i simply cannot fathom you cannot tell me that cheerleaders aren't impressive because look at what they can do kimberly possible from kim possible she used to save all of america and some parts of europe with just the skills of cheerleading she was just like an athlete and that's all she had all and that and a tween tech genius who was operating from his closet for some reason but yes that's i admire everyone that worked on this that coordinated this that did all the work to make this look so great because cheerleaders are superheroes to me basically i can't believe that they can do the things that they can do and somehow we don't revere them more than football players but i enjoy that in this movie that they get the reverse like they are the main attraction and then the football players are super whack and it's a massive theme that's carried out throughout this movie so again congratulations to everyone involved job well done fantastic on to the cast leading us to national championships we have the movie star extraordinaire that is kristen dunst as torrance shipman now if you do not know who kristen dunst is then i simply cannot help you you have to turn like there's nothing this podcast can do for you if you don't know who this lady is she has been working for the longest time forever maybe i don't even know when she started and she has been in almost everything she has been in Marie Antoinette, the virgin suicides the first spider-man trilogy the power of the dog jumanji interview with the vampire wimbledon and the list could literally go on forever She's even an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And you all know that I respect anyone that participated in that masterpiece. Kristen Dunst, she's a cinema queen. There's, there's no other way to describe it. Cinema queen, Sofia Coppola's muse. She's a thespian of note. And I'm so happy that she found the time in her career, her very busy career, to lend her talents to our lovely Torrance. <sighs> Guys, my girl deserved an Oscar for this. Or at least like some something. She made American history with this movie. And I will stand by that. Alongside her, we have Jesse Bradford as Cliff Panton. <laughs> Lovers, I have apologized for thirst before, but here I mean it. I am so sorry, lovers. I'm so sorry to God. I, this man just... Something shifted in me when I first saw him in this movie. We were all affected. All of us in that watch party, we... Oh, we felt it. Maybe it's because all the love interests in the movies that follow were subpar if not mediocre 
Maybe it's because my heart is vulnerable to quirky, smart mouth boys with golden hearts. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Cliff. <laughs> uh, Cliff makes me want to bark. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I want to stand up. I truly do. But I am lying on the ground just crying because he's so worth it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Woof, woof. <laughs> man, what a man. What a man. But back to Jesse Bradford. Bradford has worked across the industry. He's been in projects like Romeo plus Juliet, Magnum PI, Guys with Kids, The Power of You, Code Black, Badge of Honor, and many more. I love him. I, I, I love his work. I... Oh, he, I think he's one of my favorite leading men. No, I'm a liar. He is. He's definitely my favorite leading man in this entire cinematic universe. And I blame Jesse Bradford. I feel like he brought a charm and a cuteness and a, I don't even know what he brought, but he brought it. He, if it was meant to be brought, he brought it and I'll, even a bit more. I will always cherish Cliff because of him. So, yeah. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Honorable mentions. I must start with the greatest supporting actresses in this film. There could be no movie without them. Like, they're not mains, but in my heart and in my mind, they are mains. There is Eliza Dishka, Dishku sorry, as Missy Panton. Cliff's sister and Gabrielle Union Wade as Isis. These two women, greatness, absolute, absolute greatness. All the feelings, I'm going to call them feelings, all the feelings I have towards Cliff, absolutely the same way I feel about Missy. In fact, I love them both exactly the same. Like, but Missy, it's different. It's intense because it's like dark-haired, queer-coded, badass women. They have all my attention. They can have all my money. They can actually have me. And I'd be so okay with it. Love Missy. I think she was a joy. And also a wonderful awakening for Torrance. I just feel like all her original friends... Well, okay, fine. The two girls in her friendship group, I feel like they seem to suck and are generally like very bad people. So I appreciate that Missy was around to help Torrance out on her journey to cheer greatness and just be there as a solid friend for her. You know what I mean? I know that maybe the internet ships Torrance and Missy together. And I completely understand it. I, I see it and I understand you guys wholeheartedly. But hear me out. Isis. Now, Miss Isis. Gabrielle Union Wade has been fine all her life. No, There's no question about it. Um, I'm not asking this anyway. So it's a statement. So I feel like Isis was perfect for her as like the lesbian that she is. Like she, she killed it. She did a great job. I was terrified but i revered isis at the same time like she was a cheer 
captive. You know, she stood tall, she held it down, she com commanded the screen and also led her team very well with that authority and softness that you would expect from a captain. She actually reminded me of Solange in the third Brigadon. Like those are just two very similar ways of being a strong, wonderful captain and also a strong woman and also not letting white mediocrity get in the way of your greatness. So yeah, Isis, I think that's who I would personally ship Missy with. I feel like those two are two sides of the same coin. I feel like they get along really, really well. Um, maybe it's a case of being accidentally written for each other. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yes, these four leads in my mind, love them, love their work on this. They, they made it what it is. On that note, they did a entertainment weekly cover to celebrate the 20th anniversary back in 2020 it was all four of them on the cover they all looked so good like they all looked i mean obviously not young enough and good enough to still play teenagers but they look great like i was so happy to just see them here again proud of their work proud of the legacy that they've created and you know just being celebrated as icons plot if you have never seen this film i don't even have to say it verbally you are missing out please go watch it i i cannot recommend it higher than this it is it's so entertaining it's so good it's so good it has such a great message about how black creators will get their material um taken and reworked and remixed not even remix remix is a very generous word sometimes it's just copy and paste lifted off the paper by white creators who will then go on to either do it worse the work do it worse even though it's copy and pasted they'll probably ruin it or they won't do it with the same vigor and the same power that you applied to it but they receive far more praise far more attention sometimes they profit from it which is guys they were talking about the tiktok saga that we're going through right now before it was even a thing because like clockwork this always going to happen and i love the way that they dealt with it in this movie my point being i think you should watch this glorious piece of work because it is clearly timeless and it's good for you please Last I checked, it's on Netflix. I may be wrong. Check again. But please, it's it's readily available. TV, the TV plays it all the time. I think, what's that channel? Studio, Studio Universal. There was a time when they played at least once a week. Get on it, I beg. If you have seen this film, but you need a refresher, here it goes. I was going to do this like I was leading a chair. And then as I, as I thought it, I realized that I'm not cheerful enough to commit to doing this. And also it will sound annoying really quickly. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it with my voice. An ambitious and driven girl gets the opportunity of a lifetime when she is voted the cheer captain of her squad and aims to maintain their reputation as 
champions. She is shocked, however, to discover that all their routines have been, I'm sorry, have been plagiarized from a local rival squad and her squad's credibility is called into question. She must rebuild the squad from the ashes and rebuild her own personal ideas of perfection. Guys, oof. My girl Torrance had to beat the cultural appropriator allegations when she didn't even know that that's what was happening. And I always feel so bad for her. At the same time, I always applaud her for just... She found out the news and she was like, you know what? Cut it. We need. We can't do this anymore. This is wrong immediately. Love that for her. And while all of this drama is unfolding in the forefront, in the background, she must also fight off the simmering feelings that she has towards our boy Cliff. I like this couple a lot for many reasons, but one of the other reasons is that their slow build to what they become is very adorable. It's very cute and like just adolescent fun. And it's the flirting, the way that they flirt with each other has stuck with me forever. And yeah, I just, the usual format of these love interests is that they're these supportive cheerleaders in the figurative sense more than the physical. Although in the later movies, some of the love interests are actually cheerleaders in the squad. But yeah, they're supportive and they either get snubbed in the middle, which creates this ugly conflict, or they disappoint you in the middle which creates its own ugly conflict so oh wait actually this is a very similar circumstance to what happens in the third finger down yeah they're not really unique with the storylines here but wonderful either way and i just think that here yeah, it's far more enjoyable because you like these people like you like these two as individuals so you want to see them together and you can understand why they want to be together at the end of this all torrance has clearly only dealt with one type of boy her whole high school life and so i think that cliff is this fresh spice in the sea of the ordinary now unlike all the boys outside of the cheering world cliff understands how important this is to her and he's always lovely to her and respects her dedication I just, oh he's just he's a four-leaf clover he's he's what the kids call unique <laughs> I'm so sorry. and i think for him it was also nice to just meet a girl that she was all of these things that would make someone obnoxious but she's an absolute darling. She's an absolute sweetheart. And how often is the popular cheer captain also a darling human being? You know? Not many times. So I think these two are the blueprint for the entire franchise. I think they are the standard that was set and no one has reached it since. It's just, it's all happening under terrible, terrible circumstances. Before I basically unwind my own episode, here are Tori and Cliff. I'm sorry to everybody, but I'm going to keep calling her Tori because just I'm not going to say Torrance every single time. That's tiring. 
it must be stated right now and first first and foremost i think cheating is wrong infidelity bad thing horrible hurts people do not like it however <laughs> however i will excuse torrance and cliff just this one time just this once and it's not even my fault i feel like the the writers set it up i keep saying the writers when it's just miss bendinger but the writers set it up so that it's really easy to to be pro infidelity this one time when we are introduced to torrance's boyfriend aaron aaron i want to say aaron so bad it's quite evident that this relationship has no solid foundation maybe i'm judging from the outside but there's just something about that guy's face that i i couldn't trust him i couldn't believe that he was the right man for her or anything like that and this is long before we meet cliff if if you don't know how the story goes you would think that oh well now that her boyfriend's gone nothing romantic is gonna happen to her anymore but uh, the writers they just they set us up to not like him and i think one of the things that makes it very easy to fall in love with a love interest is if the person that's currently there absolutely sucks. This is how I felt about Runaway Bride. I was like, I wanna, I want to go against Richard Gere, but her fiance is so annoying. You know, it it makes it, it makes it feel like you should side with the other person, even though you technically know that this is wrong. And this guy, he's all wrong for Torrance. He's he's about to leave. He seems to try. He seems to treat Tori like she's a child in desperate need of his guidance, like he knows any better. And I've always I always felt like his enthusiasm never matched hers. And Tori is one enthusiastic girl. If there's someone that was born to cheer, it is Torrance Shipman. If this story was about her and Missy, I feel like they'd make that the lovely sapphic couple combo because Tori would be the sunshine preppy girlfriend to Missy's punk rock hardcore girlfriend thing, which is basically like a live action Princess Bubblegum and Marceline. Oh, wait a minute. I just realized that Cliff works because he's basically the male Marceline. Anna, what's male Marceline's name on the show? Is it Marvin? I can't remember. But I, I digress. I've, I've strayed so far from my point. Torrance. Torrance is a lovely, cheerful, preppy girl. She just doesn't have really supportive figures in her life. Like terrible Aaron aside. They are, like I mentioned above, those obnoxious friends that basically make up the cheer council for her. And you can tell that they're obviously gunning for her position more than they care about her her choices and her leadership and stuff. Or even her as a person. Now, my, t- my two queer kings, though, they were all right. Those two girls, though, they were just, they were there to steal a crown or two. <sighs> Menaces to society, those two. And they're strongly jealous of my girl Torrance and they're ready to take the captain title at any little mistake, at any slight inconvenience. 
after the flop that they had at the what do you regionals there we go at regionals i think torrance walks into the gym and the blonde one i didn't even bother learning their names i really hate them the blonde one sees her and she offers to take up the captain role you know like she's doing her a favor yeah i really hate snakes in the grass like that and those but those are the people around torrance like those are the people that are in her ear all the time and what makes it worse or what enables them to carry on going is that my girl torrance is a people pleaser it is her greatest strength and also her greatest weakness at the same time like i feel like it takes the toro so long to fix their act because most of the squad were too lazy to change their routines and then they were also too lazy to be creative, to make their own. Which leads to the wackest choreography I've ever seen in my life. And Tor and Torrance can't go against their their beliefs or like their their decision. Because she also doesn't want to upset anybody. She doesn't, she doesn't want people to call her a bad captain. And so she goes along with it. She, she does these things. She makes these decisions trying to please everybody and in that sense that's where i think it's her weakness but i also believe that she fights so hard to make things right with the clovers and isis because she can't stomach the this idea that she stole from people or that she didn't she took their place at, or she didn't honor their work and all this stuff and that's in that sense of people pleasing that is what it becomes her strength because it makes her empathetic it makes her sympathetic it makes her want to be a better person it's just it's tough because now she's being pulled between doing this for people that deserve it and people that clearly do not deserve it and so i think the refreshing thing about someone like cliff is that he isn't here to be impressed he isn't here for you to do something to make him like you he's just here you know there's not a lot there's not a lot we know about this man because he's kind of written to exist purely as a love interest. We spend more time learning about who Missy is and her past life than we do really about him, but you know, siblings. And shout out to Jessica Bendiger again. You are leveling the inequality field for love interests. Shout out, shout out. What we do know about Cliff though is that he's easy. Not easy like easy he's easy like easy going he's a simple man simple wants simple desires he has these interests and hobbies that fall outside the norm um that make him stand out amongst his student body and he doesn't take this unique energy and try to like rub it in people's faces like look at me I'm so obscure. I'm so different. Oh, and he doesn't try to like shame them about being basic, even though some of them deserved it. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't want people to feel bad about the things that they care about, especially with Torrance. I mean, he finds the time to make fun of his sister, but like, come on, that's his sister. Also, the cheerleading thing was out of her character. I understand why why he would do that but with like these two cliff is a positive outsider while missy starts off as like a negative 
outsider, but they both acknowledge that they have this outsider status and they're quite chilling that they're quite relaxed and that they're not trying to change you. They're not trying to change themselves. And that's what's really cool about real cool people. You stay true to yourself and the things that you like and the things that you do, and you're all, but you're not looking down on others for not doing those things. And Cliff will never make fun of Torrance for her interest. He'll never make fun of her for her dedication to the sport. He welcomes her preppy attitude. He embraces her interests and he listens to what she thinks without being condescending about it, without ever really having a mean thing to say. I also think he tries to find their common space of interest, like things that they can enjoy together at the same level. And I think that's why he puts her onto a lot of music. Guys, Cliff is the perfect fictional teenage boyfriend. That tape that he mixed for her, absolute romance. So romantic. It's like creating a playlist, but work with 10 times more effort because you have to physically do that work yourself. These two work because they're meeting their individual needs and they also exhibit all the C's. You know the C's. You know the C's. <laughs> um, they communicate and talk openly, except for Torrance omitting that she has a boyfriend. Um, they are compatible despite their differences. And the chemistry, the chemistry is off the charts, guys. Absolutely, it's tangible. Never seen anything like it. I, I need to take a, a breath for this one. The infamous brushing teeth scene in the bathroom. That was electric. I, I'm dramatizing it a little bit, but it was so moving my goodness dating standards were rearranged when that scene dropped like peyton reed he shouted everyone take a five and jesse bradford he heard change lives so he seductively spat into a sink <laughs> guys you don't know the magic of that scene gets to me all the time because they do they do not speak the whole time obviously because they're brushing their teeth it's nothing but flirtatious glances between each other and suggestive spit takes like that's what they do for i think at least two minutes three minutes max and it's wonderful it does everything that we needed to it's iconic it's so iconic and so cinematic ariana grande referenced it in thank you next by the way i love drabi in victorious i love him to this day i have the softest spots in my heart for tv characters that are designed to be the dorks and kind of like unlovable that's that's who i'm always rooting for so be him being cast in that video for that particular part effortlessly perfect and also very key to my interests and my and my views love that my point being with these two they are the best couple in theory and in practice, the BIOCU hasn't had the best of luck with their main couple pairings. If they're not straight up horrible, they're just meh. Or like the fourth couple didn't make sense to me at all. 
the third couple is just a budget West Side Story. The second couple is utterly forgettable. I can't even tell you a single detail about their thing. The fifth couple, it's West Side Story again, but you know, the guy was wrong this time. I haven't even dared to delve into the sixth movie because I feel like we've, we've flown too close to the sun. We need to shut it down. I'll, I'll tell you what bring it on movie we need next, but y'all need to pay me first because I'm not giving out my my work for free but yes torrance and cliff they just they outshone the rest because they're written as if they were made to be together that's why when we get that conflict in the middle where cliff is ready to call it quits because she lied rightfully so fair enough king <laughs> it it hurts a lot because it's like oh my goodness she very clearly should not be with this errant bloke she should be with you forgive her please so that this happily ever after can start as soon as possible and everyone is in support of that missy is in support of that even though at first she was kind of like ew this is my brother why could you meanwhile girl look at him <laughs> some of y'all i'm probably a little guilty of this some of y'all be gatekeeping your brothers like they're not absolutely fucking handsome <laughs> what do you what do you want us to do do you want us to look away? What 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 else can we do but gawk and be amazed? I've lost my point. They are great. They're written to be. And I think everyone's goal when they're writing two leads is they want them to sound as if they were made to be. But these two worked out so well beyond those goals. Like I credit the actors, the writer, the director and everyone involved in making it look that way but you must also just look at these two having this deep understanding about who the other person is and meeting them halfway there like not trying to change not trying to fix not trying to adjust just like meeting them halfway there and what yeah that's one of the strengths of a very good couple is having this deep understanding for someone different from you and finding ways to like them despite those differences maybe even embracing those differences and realizing that they don't they don't matter once you realize that they are not important or like they are not the hurdles that you thought they would be the moment you realize that that's not a big deal i feel like it's easy to find yourself falling for someone genuine and kind and absolutely head over heels for you too we've got the likes we got the dislikes can I rave about this movie more? I feel like I've talked enough, but not really substantially. But apparently, yes, I do have space in me to rave some more. Likes. I've already expressed how incredibly impressive I think cheerleading is. And, you know, I know that other people, they just see chance and a little bit of synchronized dancing and they call it a day the physical athleticism of it though of all of it from top to bottom i think is super impressive 
So my like is that I love the fact that when they said that the clovers were better than the toros, we saw it visually in the choreography. Like stolen choreography era aside, I think that the toros are a good squad. They held it down in their final routine. You know, everything that Torrance had put into creating it showed up and it was executed executed really well. And, you know, it just proves that uniqueness is the way to go because it was a great routine. However, it was not a championship winning routine. And I think that it would have been hypocritical of the writer and the choreographers to, after all of this, after all the mess that we've been through, after all the lessons they were trying to push on us it would be so hypocritical if they still awarded rewarded rather the toros with the championship prize when you could visually prove that the clovers deserved it even at that scene that small scene where they're at the football game and the clovers come over to mirror the routine to prove that it was stolen. Like, that was enough. That was enough to prove to me, visually speaking, that they are better than them. And I think that putting this, putting this note into the choreography, putting this note into um, the final competition, that's visual storytelling at its highest level. And I'm really, really glad that they could do that. Step Up needs to bring that same energy because sometimes that rival squad be a little bit better. So a few times, they just be a little bit better. And you can tell that the Clovers are better because they have this certain oomph that they put into their, into their choreography that is clearly absent in the Toros. And the final competition is that it's just that concept on a large scale. And it also would have been hypocritical because you can't have a movie that criticizes this this sensation. I want to say concept, but it's a sensation. The sensation of white people stealing and profiting off other people's work. And then later be like, oh, but it pays to steal because look, they won. They got their reward. Now you've just, you've started teaching the lesson, but ain't nobody going to learn their lesson from this. And I think sometimes a movie hero has to lose and their victory is just being a changed person from the loss, you know? Yeah, but Clovers, they left it all on the mat that day. Wonderful work, amazing job. I liked the casual queer representation in here. Cheerleading, as I've mentioned above, is viewed as a feminine activity and... A feminine interest somehow overall so in these movies and in other things a lot of male cheerleaders receive homophobic bullying despite maybe not even identifying as anything outside of hetero like just the notion of you being a male cheerleader is enough to get you get you some slurs thrown at you here and there all the time but it's not exempt from these these movies a lot of the franchises movies have become the only place you hear of queer men even existing especially as teenagers 
like they've written out the idea that you can be gay in high school and this seems to be the only place where you could see it it's never really queer women though except for in fired up but i'm not gonna mention that because it's not the best representation <laughs> and yes even with the, even with the bring it on franchise there'll be mentions there'll be characters and some of them are not great not not great in the sense that <sighs> you didn't write this like you you clearly were not made by a person that identifies as the thing that is happening here and it shows it it can show when you you're written as like a novelty person instead of a whole person with thoughts and goals and motivations and all that and all that and somehow this movie made earlier than the rest has one of the least problematic rep queer representations i've seen like there's a part where um they're having a conversation in a car i think they're on yeah they're on their way to the football game and it's torrance missy and two of the other male squad members oh les and jan is it yeah it's jan les is openly gay like he openly states that he is a homosexual man he says that jan says that he is not hetero but he's not homo either which alludes to the idea that he might be bi or pan or any just anyone on the spectrum and i know despite despite having this very honest conversation about it they don't illustrate these stories beyond them just saying that in the car but it was just wild to me and so but also lovely to me to have a 2000s movie like a movie made in 2000 them having these very open queer people not being treated as a joke not being um written with that stereotypical straight person pen they were people like they were what can i say they were just a bunch of teenagers and this fact came up and then they moved on with their lives and people don't get the strength to tear them down like even their bullies the football players on their team squad yes they use slurs and very harsh language against them because you know it's still the 2000s people are allowed to say whatever but the story never uplifts them the story never makes it seem like they're even in the position to be throwing all this hate towards them the football team from the school that the toros go to are literally a bunch of losers like the worst bunch of losers the school comes to games just to see the toros cheerleading they don't even care about the sport happening in the background and you know what it's not perfect queer representation like it's flawed it's flawed and it's not as explicit as one would particularly like to believe that this is something that was intentional and not something used as a gimmick but it's huge for its time period like it's it's like finding questionable water in the middle of the desert you could have better you definitely could have better but you're just so happy that this little piece exists under the circumstances you don't even care i liked the costumes 
I think personally one of the markers of a cult classic film is how many people dress up as you during Halloween. Every year, without a doubt, I will see people dressed up in the uniforms from our leading squads in this movie. And they honestly, they look great on everyone that I've seen wear, wear them. I've, the color coding on the Clover's uniform, the interesting cut design on the Toro's bodice. And I just think the overall design of both costumes are so cute. And obviously they carry that legacy of the film. So you wear one to a party, someone's going to ask you about it. You guys are going to find out that you both love this movie. And... They're functional and pretty. Like, it made sense that people could cheer in these clothes as well. And they have stood the test of time. I feel like they will go down in history as one of the best um, cheerleading costumes out there. I personally wish I had both of them just, like, chilling in my closet. I don't know where I'd wear cheerleading clothes to, but I just, I wish I had them. Shout out to Mary Jane Fort, who was in charge of the costume design. You will always be famous, queen. Dislikes. This is kind of petty, but anyway. I don't like how so many of the characters are flat. Like, absolute two-dimensional things. I get that it's a teen movie with a lot of characters in it, a lot of moving parts. So you can expect a lot of them to be there more for function than anything some of them purely function i feel like there are too many of them that i hear as purely function for example we don't know much about mercy and cliff of which fine i can accept that like have some um mysteries i don't need to see their dog all those things i drew the line at us never seeing their parents like we as an audience we spend long periods of time in their home even when Torrance isn't there like we we see rooms we there is so much time we spend in their house and somehow we must just believe that we are never we never saw their parents i think only once missy explains that oh um their dad or something has gone off to work so they have the house to themselves i think for the sleepover they had the house to themselves for the weekend but every other time i was like there's absolutely no way where are these people we don't even know what they do to explain that these these two live in a mansion basically of a home or the fact that the children have the same aesthetic like i feel like background information like that could have been so important to the running of the story like they spent they gave us way too much time on torrance's annoying little brother for them to just create these people but then give them no substance outside of their function even with missy we don't know a lot of details about her old school life we don't know why she felt so moved to join the cheerleading squad and continue even after she felt like they were a bunch of posers I feel like everything is based around this one copyright issue and then you hear about their personalities or their personal politics via how they view the issue and how they deal with the issue and then that's it. From a writing perspective that annoyed me a bit. I just I felt like at least our four mains should be deeper people than this. 
I don't appreciate the morality setup in this film. I gently touched on the cheating fiasco. I want everyone to remember that, you know, Aaron was away at, at university and he was already cheating on Torrance. I suspect he started as soon as he touched down on campus. But they don't know that until, well, we don't even know that until like halfway through the film. But everyone else is in the dark for a very long time. The audience is the only people that know that this is happening. And Torrance has her hypothetical cheating with Chief Go Chief Way. She has her hypothetical cheating with Cliff happening on the side. But we are very well aware of that thing. They make sure that we know that. And the audience and the people and the characters in the movie know that. So from the outside, Torrance's friends only see her jeopardizing her relationship with Aaron. They don't see the rest because they can't. And I don't like how they immediately tried to shut what was happening with Cliff down, but they dragged their feet about stealing routines from another squad. It was it was just so I couldn't wrap my mind around it. <laughs> they they literally went, yes, cheating on your neglectful and distant boyfriend is absolutely evil, Torrance. But I have absolutely no problem with appropriating the work of minorities. Like that's the morality set up on this movie. And I can't, even now I'm like, I can't believe you guys thought one was wrong and the other wasn't. But yeah, I just felt like Missy every time those people talked, I would look at them and be disgusted. Like, do you hear yourself? Do you, do you hear the words coming out of your dirty mouth? The whole time I was just thinking, be for real fucking for real right now this dislike is less about the movie and more about its reception outside of the world I don't like that this isn't respected like most sports films are it's not just about like the, t the fun teen almost camp format of it all it's deeper than that I think Cheerleading is regarded as a silly little thing that you can do for fun Something that like helps you motivate at real athletes. I'm saying real in quotation marks real athletes be Motivated during games like that's it's a functional fun thing Instead of what it is, which is an intense complex and skillful sport the stunt coordination and choreography that goes into these routines and movies like this i feel like should justify some critical claim but instead people shit on it in the same way that they shit on rom-coms they're like oh this is silly this is this is for this this is for that and yes i know that this is years of misogyny and i cannot uproot it on my own because i am only one small man but I think it's worth bringing up that we have this this double standard. We have this this viewpoint that is diminishing what is actually good cinema. And it's funny to me because we've all collectively decided that movies don't have to be prestigious or serious to earn our respect. But that idea stops being transferred to movies that are made for, again, teenage girls. I say made for teenage girls like there's a limit. 
anyone can enjoy these movies. It's just their audience in mind when they make it, when they make them is like you know teenage girls. But that's never stopped anybody from enjoying any other movie. Uh, the CEO of Disney right now thinks that animation is the audience for animation is little kids. But that's obviously not true. Lots of people watch animated movies. So you can have an audience, not expectation, you can have an audience set out and then it reaches way beyond that audience just because people need to try it out. And I think that's it with these movies. I think everyone just needs to try them out. See if you do like them. Because there's no such thing as them being made for a particular group of people and only sticking to those group of people. Do not let cinema bros make you feel like this is not worth watching just because it's a little silly to them. On that note, a little side little side rant here. I think one of the greatest ironies in the world is that grown men will tell you that things like this are silly or childish or simply not for them. And then they'll turn around and they'll try to justify dating teens. Lovers, I cannot wrap my mind around it. Like, how can you scream at the top of your lungs? How can you scream that teen girls are mentally mature enough to date you, 25-year-old, and then turn around and call the content designed with teen girls in mind silly and childish? Sir. (laughs) Sir, I need you to take a hint. And then shortly after, I need you to take a trip down to the police station and report yourself, you gross cradle chaser. We've reached the end of the show. Yes, lovers, we are done. We are finished. And, you know, it's been fun. It's been cheerful. I've used a lot of positive wording. But now, lovers, it's time to be aggressive. Be aggressive. I'm so sorry. I've been trying to work that into the episode this whole time and I finally found it. Thank you. That is absolute poetry for my girl, Missy. Iconic line. Iconic line. We're keeping it rolling with our cheerleading theme today and looking at two other couples from this vast and steadily cringe universe. It's time for Who's Your Fave? Bring It On edition. In this corner, we have Brittany and Jesse from Bring It On All or Nothing versus Lena and Evan from Bring It On Fight to the Finish. Listen, listen. These are the best of a bad bunch. <laughs> I really wish I could have I could have picked somebody else. But like I said, it really got worse post Torcliffe. Nothing stood a chance. This particular battle is a little tough for me though because one of these is clearly the better movie. Maybe even the better couple. But that cramping scene. <laughs> Ah, I have to scream. It it is haunting. It's it haunts me to this day. I can't believe 
when I was a child and I saw it, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Because <laughs> now, like, oh, and Twitter, not Twitter, there's this thing on TikTok now where this one couple recreates weird dance dance um, sequences and they recreated that scene. And just watching it again, oh, it made my skin cold, cringe. It's so bad. Like... <laughs> Do you know how bad one scene of a film has to be to outshine having both Solange and Rihanna in it? Mm-mm, man, crimes were committed in that film. I'll never forget. But let not let not my rant. Okay, Shakespeare. <laughs> let me not influence the voting. Lovers, you know, you pick what you want. This is a democratic office. Always has been, always will be. Let your voice be heard and vote on our Twitter poll at Starry Cupid. And you can also vote temporarily on our Instagram poll at Summer Tea Shares. Lovers of cheer, that's it for me. I, I, I simply can no longer speak on the matter or I risk over-talking on a topic that really should have ended maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. Um, this is great though. Thank you so much for joining us. I had a really lovely and nostalgic time. This is one of those episodes. It was in the original draft. Took a really long time to get here because it felt like such a selfish pick. Like most couples I weigh the odds, I weigh is this worth talking about? Is this people people like this? I think about all of those things. But this one was for me. I think I did this purely for me. Even though there was a lot to discuss about them. I just wanted to talk about TV movies. I also did it for my homegirls that were at the marathon. Because, you know, it was fun for us. It's a it's a core memory for me. I love the part where after we watched one, we practiced doing herkies for the rest of the night. We couldn't do it. I'm telling you right now, audience, it was very difficult. We struggled. <laughs> and I'm just glad we have this franchise to reminisce and laugh and cringe and share. And they will always be here for us. And that's the beauty the beauty of movies is that they're for sharing in all of these feelings and they'll always be there for us to if we ever forget, if we ever feel alone, we just we just turn these things back on and we share once again. That's all from me though. Um, I hope everyone is doing okay and everyone is safe. Halloween is fast approaching and I know we can't get those cheerleading outfits here, out here, but I'm sure everyone can do a great job with their costumes if you are going to parties. First of all, I'm very jealous of you and I hope you have a great time. I hope you have a fun time. Take lots of pictures because this is our youth and this is a fun holiday. We don't get fun things anymore because you don't have Christmas clothes. So take advantage of Halloween while you can. We here at Star and Cupid might have a spooky surprise for all of y'all. Just let's all cross our fingers, lovers, and hope and hope at this point that I can manage to pull it off. For now, have a lovely weekend, my lovers. Bye!